What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. What's up, you guys? It's Johnny King with another episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. I am so excited to have an amazing, amazing guest uh, that I actually stumbled upon just on TikTok of all places, uh, Alexi Turner coming in from, you said North Carolina, right, at the moment? Yes, I'm in North Carolina right now. But you are home in California, essentially. Yes. That's your home base. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you for being here. You are, if I understand correctly, you're a life coach. You really do focus on maybe working with women, but it seems like at least the stuff that I saw and you just kind of popped up in my kind of like discovery as I'm swiping away, like a lot of stuff that resonated with me just being a guy, but you help women with what kind of reclaiming their femininity, right? Um, yeah. And understanding who they are, understanding their archetype, uh, understanding femininity. Cause mm-hmm. you know, we live in a very masculine driven society that women have really been taught to behave like men and we've lost our way of mm-hmm you know, being women. And actually what was interesting is a sexologist I studied with her and her mother, they're both doctors. They came to America, they're Russian, uh, to study why women are having such a crisis in America with getting pregnant. Um, and she said, the reason is, is because so many women are so into their masculine energy that they're, you know, they're not actually being able to receive the seed from a man and get pregnant. So, you know, of course that's kind of a more esoteric understanding but um i find it more so heavily in america than anywhere else it's it's interesting i mean i think there's a lot of things that play into that um because i know even a lot of my friends have really struggled to get pregnant and have to go through ivf and it's just like oh so like and why is that you know uh in a in a, living in a time of society that's so abundant yet why are we having so many struggles and marriages and relationships and child rearing and everything else. But uh, anyways, I, I, I digress. We can get into a bunch of different things. I, I stumbled upon probably the very first video I saw on TikTok was um, something along the lines of why men cheat or something like that. And it was why women cheat. Why women cheat. Thank yeah. You. I mean, I did both, but the why yes. women cheat when I think I have like a million and a half views on that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty, pretty awesome. And you started, you said before we started recording that you just started doing TikTok couple months ago and you're already up to 62,000 followers, which is pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it went crazy. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, before I even think of it uh, or forget your, I'm looking at it. Your handle is Empress Collective. Yes. Follow Alexi Turner right now. You guys, whether you're a man or woman <laughs> listening to this, cause I definitely have both uh, listeners. Like you're going to find a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, but let's answer that. I mean, give it the, give the, the 30 second answer to that TikTok. Why do women cheat? Or well, you know, of course, or whichever, whichever. Well, you know, it, there's a lot of reasons, right? I, I could go into so many different reasons, but one of the things is that, you know, women are really into their queen energy. And when they go to work, they have long, stressful days, they come home and, you know, the feminist movement really put a lot more responsibilities on women mm-hmm. instead of men. Now men don't really have to work as hard because women are now paying half the bills. 
they're working, you know, long hours, just like men are, they're coming home, having to take care of the kids, having to cook, having to clean, and they're stressed out. Right. And women were nurturers. So naturally we want to love, we want to care. I mean, we bear our children. Right. So, and we rule the heart chakra. So we have a bigger capacity to love. Now men are strong. They're meant to go out and provide and fight and build and, you know, do these things. And they come home and they're tired. They're exhausted. They want to they want to have a nice meal prepped for them, right? They don't want to be bossed around and, and yelled at by their wives to, to do the laundry, to do the this, to do that, which women always did, right? Women, you know, people have this misconception that before the feminist movement, women didn't work. And that's not true. Women worked inside the home. They, you know, sewed their own clothes. They were nurses. They were teachers. They helped build the community, my grandmother's mother, my great grandmother, you know, she was the community leader in the early 1900s for their community in Nebraska and, and ran the farm. So women just didn't work the, you know, normal corporate jobs, but they worked in building the, the family generational wealth, which is how a lot of people become rich is through their generational wealth that they build, right? But we have so many broken homes now that there's no wealth being built inside the family. So you know, women are coming home, they're exhausted, and then they get angry at their husbands and they start emasculating them, yelling at them, bossing them around and getting into this more masculine energy. So, you know, and then the man will try to do something and the woman will be very critical. Well, you're not doing this right. You didn't wash this right. You didn't, you know, put the hair up with the kids, right. You know, you didn't put the right clothes on the kid. And, you know, they become very critical and nitpicky because women have more of a tendency to like see details of things than, than men do. And Alison Armstrong talks about this in her book. So then men just kind of say, well, I can't do anything. Right. So I'm just going to sit back and like not do anything because <laughs> right. no matter what I do, I get yelled at, you know? So then they kind of become a little complacent and then they become complacent in the bedroom. They don't feel as desired or they don't feel this desire towards their wife because their wife is behaving very masculine because men are drawn to feminine energy. You know, they want a woman that's loving and nurturing and feminine and that kind of thing. So the man kind of doesn't really, you know, have the same desire for her. She doesn't have the desire for him because he's not this strong, protective leader. So she goes out and cheats. And, you know, me and this guy were talking about this and he'd interviewed a lot of women who had cheated and I know a lot of women who have cheated as well. And, and he said the common denominator in, in women who would approach him to cheat with him would say, you know, I just want a man to take me in the bedroom and, mm. you know, take ownership of me and, you know, be that man and, and take control because their husband stopped taking control in the house because she was taking control. And he just kind of gave up and sat back and said, sure. You know, so women are looking for that masculine energy, that masculine providing energy, but she's so much in that energy and you need polarity in a relationship. You can't have two Kings running the house, right? You need a, or you can't have two people leading the ship, <laughs> you know, and they say in the Bible, which, you know, I'm not a Christian. I've been, you know, studying more and, and really interested in what the Bible has to say. Cause a lot of people are commenting saying this is in the Bible is that mm. the man is the head of the home and the woman is the next steering the head, right? So she's kind of this supportive role, but you know, in society now, especially, you know, women are like, I'm the boss, babe. I yeah. run this show. Like yeah. I'm number one. He needs to like bow down to me. And, you know, so, <laughs> you know, it's interesting because women, you know, women are drawn to men by their ability to lead and their leadership and power and 
their success, their ability to, to be successful. So women think that men want the same thing in a woman, that a man wants a woman who's a leader, who's successful and strong. And that's not true. Men want feminine women. They don't want to date a man, <laughs> you know? So women think that they like these qualities because we like these qualities in men. So they start behaving like a man. And, you know, there's that book, uh, think like a man to get a man, or, you know, there's a lot of propaganda in the sense of, you know, women have always misunderstood men and this is what they want. They want this boss babe. And, and some guys do, right. There's different archetypes of men. I go over that in my content. There's different archetypes of women. Um, but you know, a lot of, a lot of men don't really want that. And actually, if you're more in your feminine energy, the more a man will want to do for you, he'll want to stand up and be that King for you. He'll want to provide for you. The more you're appreciating him, loving him, having an open heart, asking for help, you know, he's going to want to step into that role because it makes him feel like a King, you know, but women aren't, I don't think women, a lot of women don't understand this because we're not really taught this. Right. Yeah, right. So when you try to talk to a woman and tell her this, a lot of them just, you know, they don't, they don't either want to hear it. They don't understand it. They're not taught this. So, you know, there's a lot of dysfunctional relationships going around. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, and I feel like, um, you know, you mentioned Alison Armstrong, which who's been on the podcast and I'm, I'm so grateful. She, you know, I, I learned through her that, and a lot of the stuff she puts on social media is that women unknowingly emasculate their man. It's not the, like, they're not knowingly doing this uh, or like uh, intentionally or maliciously doing it to men, but just in the way that they get frustrated and uh, then it, all it does is to, to kind of bring men further down. And I think, but it also on the other side of the coin, having gone through a very similar experience to that, um, I didn't have the let's say the balls, I didn't have the confidence, I didn't have this, the self-esteem to push back or to even communicate uh, without much of a male role model growing up and having been raised by my mom and my sisters, my female school teachers, Sunday school teachers, all, all women, essentially the, the women of the village. I just kind of had learned to be a people-pleasing nice guy. And it only seems to perpetuate more of the availability of like, okay, emasculate me. Or like, I'm, I'll just, I'm just here to, you know, be a second fiddle. But what I think you're also talking about that's so relevant and uh, probably is getting a lot of views too, is that it's kind of unpopular because the popular is like, like you said, the boss babe and like, we don't need a man. And, and yet the polarity is what I really feel like is lacking, you know, in relationships and marriages. Uh, and that, that chemistry is what brings us together. Right. But mm -hmm. the, talk a little bit more about just uh, that whole idea that that Alison Armstrong and you mentioned it too, obviously, is that just how women knowingly or unknowingly emasculate man, men, like give that, give some examples, maybe if you're open to that. Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned this because a lot of people in my comment section, a lot of men were, were kind of offended that I was like, that I said that women unknowingly do this. And they were like, you still can't uh, take accountability. You still can't take responsibility. You're still saying that, you know, women don't know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. And a lot of women don't, they really don't know what they're doing because women, women think in their minds, if I'm criticizing him, if I'm being critical of him, if I'm telling him what he's doing wrong, I'm helping him. You know, he's going to do right by me. If I pick him apart and, and tell him what he's doing wrong, and, and they don't realize that it's actually, you know, damaging. There's a way to, um, there's a way to communicate with a man 
that isn't degrading him, right? And that's what Alison Armstrong teaches in her book is, you know, the proper ways to trigger a response in a man's mind. And one of the things that she says is, you know, using words like provide, that's a, that's a, a trigger word that, you know, when you say it to a man, it's like, it, it does something in his mind. That's like, okay, I need to provide something for her. Right. Mm. Um, versus like, you know, you need to do this and you need to do that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think that that's kind of the thing is that they don't realize that they're doing something wrong and they don't understand any other way to do it. Right. They may yeah. have seen their moms do it to their dads or, you know, a lot of women didn't have a father in the home, right? There's this epidemic of fatherless homes as well. So like, you know, like you mentioned, so they never saw a proper dynamic between a man and a woman. And a lot of times, you know, women are taught, like, if you need a man, you're weak. If you need a man, like it, they, they look down on you or they'll use you. They'll take advantage of you. I get a lot of comments from women that are like, oh, I've had a strong masculine type and he was a narcissistic man and he used and abused me. And, you know, we throw this term narcissist around so much and there's really not as many narcissists in society as people claim there to be. I just think a lot of people don't, you know, understand how to work the energies properly. So they just label somebody as narcissist when they may actually just have boundaries or communication problems. So, um, so yeah, they think, you know, if I don't need a man and I don't need you, it, it makes her look more appealing, um, to a guy because we have this idea of like the cat and mouse chase, right? Well, if I'm detached and I act like I'm not interested, he's going to chase me and want to be with me more. And I actually had a video go viral about this. I put it on private because <laughs> I got a lot of pushback for it. And I just yeah. kind of got sensitive a little bit to like all the hateful comments, but yeah. I had dated this guy in my early twenties. Um, you know, I was raised by well, both my parents, but my mom was definitely one of these women that was like, you don't need a man, be independent, never rely on a man. And the irony was, was my father was a provider mm. <laughs> so, mm. and he was a great man. Like my dad is like the nicest, you know, maybe even a little bit of a pushover, like just a nice loving man that would, you know, provided for my mom and never gave her grief about it, you know? Mm. So I went to college thinking like, okay, I need to pretend like I don't need a man. And I dated this guy and I kind of constantly did that. I was like, I'm successful. I don't need you. And I acted kind of like, you know, detached from him thinking that if he thought that I was super independent, that like I would be desirable or something. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, and he ended up dumping me and, and dating, a kindergarten teacher, they're married, they're still married. Um, I was curious one day, not that I'm like still interested because I'm, you know, together with somebody, but I was curious, like sure. whatever happened to this guy. Um, he's still married to the girl, like 13 years later, I guess. And they have two kids. And um, I think she's like a stay-at-home mom. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, is that I thought that this man, because he was a very successful man, I thought that he would want somebody who is an entrepreneur like myself. I had a prestigious job in fashion that, you know, I had all these like things on my resume that he would be, you know, really drawn to that. But, you know, and I was kind of confused, like 
you know, he dumped me for a kindergarten teacher. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but like, I thought that he was like a boss man that he would want a boss babe. Right. Mm -hmm. But he wanted a woman that would be a wife to him. That would be a great mother to his kids. That was loving and nurturing to him. And I definitely was not behaving that way, Mm -hmm. you know? So I was like really confused Mm -hmm. that I, you know, I thought that like these men wanted women like this. So that was kind of when I started my journey into like understanding men. Cause I was like, okay, maybe I'm not, maybe I don't understand this properly. Maybe I don't understand men properly. Um, and I started this journey in studying, you know, sexology and relationships and men and women. And then I realized, you know, she was a kindergarten teacher and, and most likely, you know, you go into kindergarten teaching because you love children. You are loving, you are nurturing. And she probably was all those things that he wanted in a partner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, it goes back to, like you said, the, the energies and the polarity. And sometimes when I feel like, uh, you know, you have two very highly driven people, a lot of times that drive is just coming from a masculine expression, which we all have men and women. And, and yet, for there to be polarity. And I, and I see this too with my dad, who's gay, like he, in his partnerships, there's still a, a more kind of masculine, it's more a feminine uh, energy, right? Depending on the partner. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then when it's not there, then he doesn't feel the chemistry. So it's no different between same sex or, or, you know, hetero relationships. But I just think it's fascinating because it's, it's, it's very, really re- relevant. And I agree that we've just been taught to like, I don't know, it's, switch it's very, or... yeah, no, it's very true. I have a gay friend that I've been friends with for, wow, 15 years. And he dated a very famous fashion designer. I'm not going to say who, but very, very famous fashion designer. And, you know, this fashion designer is world renowned. Everyone wears the stuff, buys the stuff. And my, my gay friend didn't work. He's never actually had a job. Like he's always dated these very successful men that like having him around because he's funny. He's like just fun to be around, you know, he's the more feminine energy to these men. And uh, so, yeah, in terms of that, that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think so too. And I think it's just, it's, it's, it's good though, too, going back to what you were saying. <clears throat> and, it, and I think that's why you're getting flack is because it's not necessarily, it's, it's polarizing what you're talking about. It's, it's more like traditional people are like, Oh, come on, get with the times. And yet the problem I think with kind of like, um, uh, gender neutralizing conversations or identities and everything else. And, and I haven't honestly gone into this too much to even really have a, a very firm belief on any of this stuff. It's just that like, if it robs us of the, the clear demarcation between masculine and feminine, not necessarily man and woman, like whatever in terms of gender, but like just the energies, like we're not going to have a whole lot of successful relationships you know, or in a lot of yeah. like a- attraction. I think that's what it really is. And I've learned that the masculine response to challenge and the feminine response to praise, but when the masculine and the feminine are in stress, the masculine will actually go more into like a shadow feminine and the, mm-hmm. the feminine will go into a shadow masculine, you know? Mm-hmm. And so finally she's like, fine, fuck it. I'll just do everything my own myself. And he's like, whatever you want, babe. Like I'm just a pleaser. And it's like, oh, so unattractive both on both sides, quite frankly, you know, and I've seen that a lot in my own dating. I just see a lot of masculine focused women who I ultimately see are just protecting themselves because they're scared to truly be open and vulnerable and authentic. And it's just, it's, I'm like, I, you're beautiful, but I don't have any, there's no chemistry here. You're not, yeah. you're not feminine. You're not uh, nurturing. You're not. And, and that's just me 
personally, you know, uh, some guys might be into that, but I think that is a big problem. And what drives going back to our first question, like why men and women cheat, because we don't feel appreciated. We don't get our needs met and we seek, you know, fulfilling those needs elsewhere. Yeah. There's also, you know, what I learned when I started studying archetypes, my somebody keeps messaging me. So I'm trying to swipe it up is there is a, um, there is an archetype called the manager archetype. And Mm -hmm. for instance, I did a video on Michelle and Barack Obama because he's a manager. She's a queen. So manager archetypes are the more feminine men. They are the more passive kind of guys, uh, more empathetic and loving and that kind of thing. And they like queens. So queens are the more, you know, they like to kind of be bossed around. And a master or a manager archetype needs a queen to reach his potential in a way because he needs that woman to encourage him and influence him to, you know, step up to the plate and, and be a man. And, you know, she kind of drives that that boat in him, right? Because mm-hmm. not all men are natural leaders, unfortunately. We see that. Mm-hmm. Right. So these men are like a lot of them are actors. And, um, you know, Barack Obama, for instance, you know, there's a there's a ruler archetype, which is like the leader man. And then the manager is more of the passive man and uh, rulers. You know, they never want to like work for a woman and they're not attracted to women that work with them. And they they're more of like the Donald Trump, Melania, I guess you could say a lot of mm-hmm. presidents are rulers. Barack is a manager. So he worked. I think he interned for Michelle. She was like mm-hmm. his boss. Um, and you'll see in interviews, he's always praising her. He's always like without Michelle, you know, Michelle's so amazing. You know, that's a manager archetype. Mm. And she, you know, really drove him into the success that he's in. And he's not one of these rulers that, um, you know, cause rulers don't really put their personal life out there. And they also, you know, would never really be praising their wife in public. They'll praise her in private, but they want to be the king, you know, mm. managers don't mind. And another example is George Clooney. You know, George Clooney never, he never settled down until he met Amal, who's a queen, right? She's a human rights activist, lawyer. Um, She's a queen lover. So she's got a feminine edge to her, but you know, she's a queen. She's a leader. She goes to work. She's a lawyer. She's, you know, debating and he's a manager. So he's more of a creative feminine man. And he's the same. He praises Amal. So there is this dynamic too, where a man can be a manager and he's not naturally a leader but he dates a queen and the queen's energy helps the the manager to become successful however there is the shadow aspect of the manager and i see this a lot which is the gigolo and a lot of queens will find a manager and the manager will massage her feet he'll clean the house he'll do all the things and she's like oh my god finally a man that is serving me right But a lot of times these men will become lazy. They don't want to work and they end up mooching off of the woman. And I have a lot of queen archetype clients who come to me that date these kinds of men that they end up providing for financially, you know, spending the money on. Sometimes I had a client who attracted a lot of these kinds of guys that would mooch off of her and, and, um, become lazy. They would be drinkers. They, you know, would go golfing all day while she's working, you know? And then finally, one of my clients attracted in a manager that, you know, had a desire to be successful. And she had a huge platform. She's kind of a well-known person. And he came up with these ideas, like these creative ideas of what if we do this? And what if we do that? So they started a website together that's flourishing. They started investing in NFTs and doing NFT projects together. So 
they took his creative ideas, her big platform, and they started a business together. And now they're both becoming successful as a team together. She had tried to date rulers in the past, but she would emasculate them too much. She was too masculine for them. So, you know, there is this dynamic where, you know, a queen, if she's naturally a queen, if she's naturally this kind of woman, she doesn't have to like change and be this feminine, docile you know, mother at home, right? If that's not naturally who she is, she just has to find the right archetype of man to balance her out. Mm. That's fascinating. I'm, 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 my wheels are turning as I'm thinking about myself, quite frankly, you know, I'm like, huh, that's, that's interesting. And I'm having a hard time placing myself because I do feel like at times I certainly want that kind of feminine nurture, like the, the way my mom was like the cheerleader, you know, mm. she was at every game of mine. She was very, very just attentive to, to needs. And I love that. And yet other times I feel like, and I, I'm not necessarily attracted to, um, the more masculine woman. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which if I were more of that manager, I, I, you would think I would be right. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I don't think of myself as a ruler, if I'm correct, correctly remembering, uh, the archetypes that you were saying, but I, I mean, I guess we can have, there's, the, yeah, there's also the creator different. archetype. The creator yeah. archetype is like a Bill Gates type, or maybe even a Steve Jobs. They, they have these inspirational ideas. They want to create something. They want to build something that's new and innovative. So you might be a creator, right? Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. also the entrepreneur archetype. He's however, a man that will always cheat. He doesn't like tradition. He doesn't like to be held down. He likes to venture too much. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is actually an example of that, or Richard Branson is an example. You know, he's always surrounded by models. It's kind of a known thing that he's not faithful. Um, he likes the adventure. He likes to go skydiving, scuba diving, you know, the submarine thing they came out with, which is another story in itself. So um, those are the four kind of like main archetypes of people. So you can be, you know, a creator archetype. You like to put ideas out there and come up with new innovative ideas, like, you know, Bill Gates did. And he ended up creators do really good with mother archetypes. So Melinda was a mother archetype and um, she helps to inspire the creator, but she also helps to run the household, run the family um, and that kind of thing. So, so just to recap uh, on the men's side of things is creator ruler. uh, Keep going. Entrepreneur. Yep. And manager manager okay yeah creator you said they always cheat or they just have no on, the entrepreneur always cheats the entrepreneur always cheats yeah gotcha 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 interesting the creator is very loyal the creator archetype is very loyal the manager archetype is loyal if he feels love from his woman i mean i guess every man right is loyal if they feel love from their woman uh the ruler will be loyal if he's not being emasculated or if he doesn't have a competitive woman like fighting for dominance you know they can be a little bit vindictive um if they feel like you're trying to compete with them or um do an over on them or something or if you cheat on them like they're the ones that like will take everything from you in court you know (laughs) the manager archetype um will cheat if he's uh you know well actually the manager archetype will cheat a lot of times managers will date a girl lover and girl lover goes best with ruler. So if a manager doesn't respect you, like if he feels like he's not with a queen, he's with a woman, that's more of a feminine woman. That's not reaching her potential. And, you know, she's creative and kind of in la la land, which the rulers like, 
Um, and he doesn't respect her. He wants a queen. He'll cheat on her with a queen. Cause he's like, you know, this woman isn't a boss babe and she's kind of like needs to get her life together. You know, I don't want to provide for her, take care of her managers. Like this idea of a power couple or like the 50, 50 dynamic, uh, rulers would not like that. They don't like, you know, for instance, the girl I was mentioning, the queen who dated all these like gigolo types, um, she dated a ruler briefly. And every time the bill would come, cause I would go out to dinner with them she would fight him on paying and then she would try to pay behind his back. And he's like, this is so rude. Like I'm the man I'm supposed to like for him, it was an insult. Mm-hmm. You know, she thought she was like looking all powerful and big because she has money and she could pay for it. But in his eyes, he's like, no, you know, and, and to top it off, he was Saudi Arabian. So they're already like traditional yeah. already, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, managers will cheat if they feel like they're not with a woman who's queen enough, I guess for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you how do you balance between uh, quote unquote tradition and just maybe like um, paradigms that that really do need to evolve? How do we maintain how do we continue to evolve into man and woman 2.0 or 3.0? And quite frankly, I feel like women have evolved a ton uh, when men necessarily haven't from the 1950s until now. The feminine mystique has really evolved when. Uh, what it means to be a man. I think this is why I have the podcast that I have and why I'm having the conversations that I'm having with men. Like, what does it mean to be a man in today's day and age where a woman can be a stay-at-home mom and she can be the president of, you know, of, of a country or a business and that sort of thing. So having said that, how do men evolve out of some of that like old school machismo that's kind of toxic and not helpful and yet also maintain the good parts of it? Well, give me it. Well, first of all, not every woman has it in her to be president of a country, right? Like we're just not wired. You know, Jordan Peterson has this great lecture with Camille Poglia about how, you know, men are driven by testosterone. They can wake up at 4am, pull a 16 hour work shift, be, you know, energized by women. We just don't naturally have it in us to hustle like that. Right. And I've worked, you know, I worked in luxury real estate in New York City in the townhouse niche. I worked with ambassadors, celebrities, like I've had high power jobs and I didn't like it. (laughs) Like I didn't like the pressure. I didn't like the long hours. Like that is not how I really want to spend my day. Now a man gets to charge out of that. A lot of men would get a charge out of that. It builds their testosterone. They're they're built for these long work hours, right? Mm -hmm. I would rather have children do something creative at home, you know, help people like, you know, cause that's more my nature. So not every woman has the nature in her to be this CEO type. It's a lot of stress and stress is one of the main reasons why, you know, women are not getting pregnant because they're too stress ridden in their bodies because they're having all of this responsibility on them. And I think a lot of women want to say, well, naturally I liked, I like the hustle and maybe some women do, but I think a lot of women really don't. So I think some, in, in some sense, the the feminist movement it made women have to enjoy working or have to want to go get a job when a lot of them are actually miserable (laughs) you know i know a lot of women that work full time and they hate their jobs they don't want to work but they have to work right because either their husbands can't afford everything on their own because the cost of living is so high or they don't, they have this fear of depending on a man that, oh my God, if I depend on a man, like he's going to leave me, he's not going to respect me. And there's a lot of fear conditioning running the show. Right. And what's interesting for me is a lot of comments I get are, 
oh, you know, good luck being a traditional woman, you know, just wait till your husband leaves you. Well, 80% of divorces are initiated by women. So the men that are providing for their families aren't actually the ones leaving anyway. Like Mm -hmm. most of the time when a man gets married, he, he gets married because he wants to build with his wife. He doesn't want to go through a divorce because he knows that the divorce is going to hurt him in the long run because he's going to have to give up his financial assets, everything he's built, all this stuff. So the men don't want to get divorced. Right. So um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of fear programming. Um, I think if people want to live a traditional life, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with a woman. Agreed. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's anything toxic about it. That's something that, you know, my partner is like, you know, I don't mind if you're at home, he wants to have a lot of children. He wants eight kids. We'll see what happens with that. But, um, you know, (laughs) he can afford the extra help and like all the kind of stuff, but he's also like, I want you to, you know, have a passion. I want you to still live your passions. I want you to still have a life. You know, I don't want you to be like stuck in the home. Um, you know, but he doesn't want me going out there. Like, you know, I am woman, hear me roar, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, Again, uh, the balance and and everyone, I think, I hope those that are listening or or watching this on YouTube, see that there's, you know, you get to decide what that balance or what that, uh, the ratio of kind of masculine to feminine. And, and I think there's still a lot of like poo-pooing of masculine and feminine and, and that being like too, you know, segregated, but you know, or outdated. Yeah. Or outdated. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, at the same time, there's, there's daytime and there's nighttime. There's a lot of like poles, right. North pole and South pole. It's just, you know, it is what it is, but I, I think there's something to be said about that. And, I, and it makes me think of something that I, I read about you too, just about that kind of the nuclear family, uh, which I think is a big part of why we, why people are so unhappy, quite frankly, is because of everything that we're talking about so much overcomplication at times of like, where do we all sit in, in relation to roles in society, roles in our relationships and what ultimately ends up suffering a lot of times are the next generations who don't have a whole lot of, you know, mentorship from mom or dad. Right. Um, and so what, tell, talk about a little bit more of that, the role of why, that nuclear family is important or it's not important or it's so important. It's so important. You know, like for instance, my partner, he comes from a nuclear family. His parents are still together. He's the most stable, emotionally stable. Like, you know, he's the most stable man I've ever dated. Right. I come from a broken family. I've had to go through a lot of healing, trauma, healing, a lot of issues ended up happening after my parents got divorced and many, many different levels, you know, and it really kind of screwed me up for a long time, you know? And, and that's one of the reasons why I do this work is because I've been able to heal myself and I've been able to do the work. So I know, I understand people's pain and suffering. And the thing is, is if you can damage the, the children, you damage the whole generation, you know, and those people are kind of, I don't want to say inept or, you know, then they go through all this trauma. They they're dependent on prescription drugs with big pharma. They become dependent, you know, the mothers become dependent on the government, you know, and, and it just creates a lot of problem because, you know, if a, if a child per se is like being raised in a home where the mother's not there and the father's not there, they don't have any direction, the man provides responsibility. I mean, in esoteric studies, yeah. the men are ruled by Saturn, which represents structure, responsibility, discipline, um, you know, p- 
providing, right? So, so that's the male's role. The woman is represented by the moon, the emotional nurturing, the loving, the, the center of the home, you know, cooking for your family, right? I still, to this day, like have great memories of being in the kitchen with my grandmother, cooking food with her, you know, and like, you know, loving eating the homemade food my grandmother or mother would make, right? Like that's the memories I cherish most, not like watching my mom go to her nine to five job, you know, or actually she worked from 7am to 7pm. She worked in a lab as a chemist after my parents got divorced. So she was never around. Right. So when you don't have your parents around, you're kind of fending for yourself. And then you get swayed by other people, friends, you know, and then the big issue is like, you know, I don't know if I should bring this up, but, you know, uh, uh, predators on children, right. Uh, people that aren't great influences and then kids get into drugs, sex, alcohol at a young age, or they just become lost, you know, and then, and then what happens, right. They either can save themselves at some point and get on the right track, or they just continue on in this negative cycle. And then, you know, a lot of times, like I mentioned in one of my videos, um, the statistics of a woman getting pregnant as a teenager, because she doesn't have a father in the home are really high. So then she becomes a teen mom. She has to depend on the government. It's much harder for her to get ahead. She's depressed. Her kids see her suffer. Her kids suffer as a result. And it becomes this like family karma of like pain, suffering, poverty. They're never actually able to create generational wealth, as I mentioned. And the kids that get the most opportunities in life are kids that have parents that have money. (laughs) It's just how it is, right? I mean, you can get ahead if you come from a poor family. A lot of people can do it with the drive and determination. But, you know, unfortunately, money makes the world go round. You know, it's kind of hard to do things if you don't have the financial backing for it and the discipline for it. And how do you learn discipline if you don't have parents that are disciplining you because they're always working or out of the home, right? So, and, and as you mentioned, the next generation of people are not capable of being as strong as they could, right? I think that's a big part of it. That's, that's where I, I think in a lot of the men's work I'm, I've been getting into, I hear a lot of uh, male coaches saying that we have a lot of weak men right now, you know, and good times have kind of bred a lot of these weak men. Uh, and it reminds me of one of the videos that I saw where you went into a lot of the statistics and I was like, Oh damn, like I didn't, that's, that's some, some pretty powerful stuff to, to really look at, but I appreciate you answering the kind of the question about how important that nuclear family is. Cause that certainly is how I was raised. My mom was like, that's so important. And yet she didn't have, a ton of support from my father in some regards in other regards, a ton. Um, but again, they were both doing the best they could with what they had at the time, but it still right. left an impression of various wounds on me. And I've been working to heal and reconcile those the rest of my life. So to like you, like it is not a healthy situation yeah. and having to work through it, you know? Yeah. It's lifelong healing, right? Like when you, <laughs> when you feel abandoned or when you feel these, you know, it's like, I'm with my partner who, you know, he has his, he, he's all, I don't want to say like the perfect person, but like, he doesn't have a lot of the problems emotionally that I've had to face. He's healthy and secure. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and he, you know, cause he had like, kind of like this perfect family in a way. And, and, you know, he doesn't understand, you know, my dad got remarried, had a kid when I was like 12, that caused a lot of, you know, there was a lot of things with that. My mom, 
I, that's a whole nother story in itself. I don't even right. really want to get into, but there was just a lot there that I had to unpack. And, and, and sometimes, you know, there's still these things that kind of live with you, right? Especially if you can't rectify your relationship with your parents. Um, you know, I haven't really been able to fully rectify the relationship with my mother. You know, there have been times where we, we've been okay. And then times where I had to take a step back and, you know, um, and a lot of those problems came from their divorce and, you know, it's still something that lives with me that I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a perfect segue into the whole trauma piece. Cause I know you talk about like your, your, you work on helping people understand themselves, right? So then they can choose the right partner in life. But a big part of that obviously is you have to heal from your trauma. Otherwise you're just constantly in reaction uh, versus choosing or, or, response, responding to, you know, people's energies and who they are and and really understanding your own value and their values and falling in love with that versus us, like trying to recreate our childhood or just reacting out of our childhood wounds. Right. But let's talk about a little bit more like trauma. What what are you seeing either trauma for women, trauma for men? What do you feel like are some of the, the bigger patterns that you've seen in some of the coaching that you've done that shows up? Is it just a, is it the, the patterned trauma of woundings from mom and dad and not them not being around or abandonment i think uh, there's i'm just trying to like there's so many right right? like i feel like you know (laughs) sometimes i'm like i want to say things but then i'm like i because it's so personal for me too you know i think a, a lot of people are raised by narcissistic mothers i think that's a big problem that we don't really talk about a lot um that causes a lasting effects on people. And I think with women uh, too, they're raised by absent fathers. Mm. So, you know, they have that abandon. And I did a video on the abandonment wound of women that don't have fathers. So they have to step into this, well, I'm going to be the male role. And then they have to become the men. And then they never trust men uh, because they've never had a man to provide for them or to depend on. So they, they're too afraid to depend on a man. So they subconsciously push him away or emasculate him or like dominate him. And they don't realize that what they're doing is destructive because they don't know what it's like to ever actually have to, you know, depend on a man. Right. So that's a scary feeling because their, their fathers left them. So it's really scary for them to even have this idea that I can depend on a man, you know, luckily, you know, for me, um, and I think also too, like, you know, sometimes we have parents that didn't really live up to their potential. So we kind of fall into that trap of not living up to our potential. And I was really lucky because my father like traveled the world. My father had money. He, you know, as soon as I turned 18, I went to the fashion Institute in New York city. I ran away from North Carolina and, and I had this belief in myself that I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to I'm going to do something with my life. Right. Um, but I had the backing of my father, the support from my father and like, you know, that kind of belief. Now my mom was more of a like small town kind of person was really jaded by life. Um, you know, she used to say, you know, uh, when I wanted to be a singer, well, that kind of stuff doesn't happen for people like us. And, you know, you have to be more realistic with your life. And, you know, she kind of, you know, I don't want to squash my mother, but you know, in a lot of ways, she kind of like would take away my 
belief in myself that, you know, my dreams were too big, that I couldn't do these big things. Right. And I ended up going and working for Mark Anthony and JLo, Lady Gaga, all these people, because I had this belief in myself that I could. Right. So I think a lot of, a lot of people, like they listen to their parents and their jadedness of their parents and the all men are crap or all women are this and this programming. So then they grow up kind of like also regurgitating the same money doesn't grow on trees or, you know, who am I to say I can go be this person? And they kind of live in the conditioning of their parents' conditioning. So that's the family karma that they live the story of their parents and they're never actually able to create their own life apart from their family karma. Mm. Yeah. You say family karma. I think of it as generational trauma being passed down and it's just a limiting thinking, you know, it's just like, don't, don't think you're going to actually be able to aspire to do great things. Cause let's just be honest, you know, where we come from. And it's just like to, to think of how that would stunt, you know, a, a little child's dreams is, is pretty obvious. You it's know? hard. Yeah. 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 Cause we're so uh, influenced by our parents, right. From zero to seven, that's when our subconscious programming happens. So if you're being surrounded by adults that are naysayers, negative fighting, all this stuff, like, especially in the womb of your mother. Like if, if your mother, let's say got pregnant with a man and we're in this kind of like baby mama culture where women are having children with men that they're just hooking up with, but not actually dating. And then they become single mothers. Um, you know, that woman who's feeling pain, neglect, fear, all that stuff, the baby inside of her womb is feeling the same energy that she's feeling. So Mm -hmm. the first, you know, you know, nine months of that child's life is a lot of pain, right? So that, that leaves a lasting effect on the nervous system, you know, and we don't really think about that. Yeah. I think that came up more recently in a inner child healing your inner child workshop that I did. And I'd never thought of that, but one, one woman that was on, you know, in this workshop said, you know what, there was a ton of trauma that went on when she was in the womb and her mom was attacked and blah, 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 and stabbed. And, um, and so a lot of this stuff actually, I just never really thought about like, well, of course, as if, as if we don't, we can't be affected by something, you know, until we're outside of the womb, you know, like it just, just, it made, made more sense and I had more empathy towards it than I had ever really probably thought of it. So I think that's true. There's, there's, we're all human beings. I do feel like, you know, this is like the, the kind of the price of admission to this, this human experience is that you're going to go through pain, you know, and you have yes. to gratefully, we live in a time when I can get on TikTok and, and stumble upon you and you have a lot of great content. I'm like, oh my gosh, this, you know, that we have tools literally at our disposal of our, of our fingertips. And yet um, sometimes it's almost, there's so much information that's really hard to find true wisdom in it. Right. And so I really appreciate you being on the podcast because I feel like a lot of what you say, even though it's probably in unpopular with certain people, it's probably unpopular because it's, it's, uh, it's, it hits a nerve and they're triggered by it. And they're probably just, that's a signpost that they need to do a little bit more healing work in certain areas. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. And also, um, you know, I've, I've been practicing Buddhism for about 11 years. I've been chanting, I chant twice a day and I studied mm-hmm. the ghost show and I try to find true wisdom in my, in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of, you know, we have, and, and I believe in the law of attraction. I think it's a totally legitimate law. Uh, we have a lot of these law of attraction teachers and, and nothing against them, but you know, life is sometimes much more deeper than the law of attraction. There's so much depth and like, you know, things that 
that are underneath all of that, that run the show and, you know, generational, like you said, generational trauma, generational karma, that sometimes, you know, people are trying to law of attraction their way through life, like in this positive thinking, which is, you know, nothing wrong with positive thinking, but it doesn't go deep enough. It's, you know, like we're not really taught true wisdom in life anymore, right? They've taken religion out of school. They've take that kind of stuff out of schools and stuff like that. So, you know, people aren't really getting true wisdom or tapping into their own true wisdom or finding a way to do it or finding peace within themselves. Right. So they kind of do these shallow practices or, you know, drink or do drugs to try to find it, try to, you know, do mushrooms or smoke marijuana to try to find that, you know, one moment that they're getting some kind of source of enlightenment. But, um, you know, we, we really need to develop the, like a spiritual practice in our daily life. I think it's so important to have a daily spiritual practice and, um, yeah, that's something I'm a big advocate for. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, and starting to wrap things up, what, what are some, what are a couple of books that you would recommend for men or women that have really impacted you that are really powerful? I, I mean, I love Alison Armstrong's the queen's code. Yeah. It's a great book to understanding men, Um, there's also a book called captivating. It's a Christian book. Actually, I was in an Airbnb and I was sitting on the couch waiting for my dog's food to get done. I would cook him chicken. So I was like sitting there and anyway, she had a bookshelf and my, I just like went to this book and I went and picked it up and it was exactly what I needed at that time in my life. And it was written by a husband and wife who run this ministry. It is Christian based, but it's not like heavily into like Jesus and stuff, but it's such a good book. Um, it's called captivating unveiling the mystery of a woman's soul. Mm. And I believe they also wrote a book for men as well with the same kind of concept. I have to like look into that, but that book is amazing. Um, maybe men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. That's like a classic, It really is, <laughs> you know, yeah. and also the power of your subconscious mind, um, or think and grow rich. That's what it is. Think and grow. Well, both of them are good, yeah. but think and grow rich. And the reason why I say that is because, uh, he has a chapter, chapter 11, it's called sex transmutation. Mm-hmm. And it's all about how men are inspired by the influence of a woman to create success mm-hmm. and how the influence of a woman is actually the biggest thing on a man in creating success. And if you have one woman in your life that you're devoted to, you can actually create more success than if you're like floundering or floundering around with multiple women, mm-hmm. you know, as we see in our culture, we're in this hookup culture and it's actually more damaging for men than they actually think it is. Yeah. So, yeah. And there's a whole reason behind that with the whole, I'm sure you've heard the nofap thing, but there's a whole scientific spiritual lesson and reason why it's detrimental for a man to be having a lot of promiscuous encounters and, and for women, but mostly for men. Mm-hmm. Oh, hundred percent agree. Napoleon Hill's uh, thinking of rich has been a powerful book for me and, and uh, captivating. I haven't actually haven't read it, but I did recommend it to a female friend just because I've heard so much oh. good about it. Uh, John Eldridge and his wife who wrote that book, right. Lived down in Colorado Springs, just not far from here. And oh, so that's amazing. That, yeah. The book that I didn't even know about to, them. Yeah. I just like randomly stumbled upon them a few months that's ago. Crazy. I didn't know that they were like the popular, yeah. you know, so that's yeah. awesome that you knew about that. Yeah. And the book wild at heart has right when I was going right after my divorce was life-changing for me. So I recommend that to guys all the time, which I, I, I 
Yeah, I think Captivating is like the sequel to that one. It's like, or it's, it's written more by her, his wife, for women. He wrote Wild at Heart more for men. Got it. Okay. Both Christian Bible based, like you said. But if you can, if you're not a, a fan of that, then so be it. But I think there's so much good in there, you know, and a lot of what you say yeah. kind of mirrors a lot of that good stuff. I really liked it because it wasn't too much like in your face of God and Jesus. You know, there was a lot of just really. Um, it was such a beautiful book. I honestly, like I read it in like two days and I have a hard time sitting down to read sometimes, but that book, I just, I couldn't put it down. Yeah. Yeah. And all the other ones that you mentioned were really good. I'll put those into the show notes. So I appreciate it. Um, awesome. That's awesome. And you have, speaking of books, you have a couple of books coming out. I do. Year, right? Yes. I have a memoir coming out and a book on femininity and recapturing your own femininity. And a lot of people keep asking me about archetypes and, um, you know, how to find more information. So I'm like, I'm just gonna, you know, you. segue that into the book. Good for you. Good for you. That's huge. Yeah. And I think that's uh, so many books that you've mentioned, I feel like are books that have been written for maybe women in some regards. And yet I've read several of them because it helps me figure out more of a, what, yeah, just, again, just helps me actually figure out more about myself. Right. And so I think these books are, applicable, uh, no matter who picks them up, but I think those are really, really good recommendations. But anyways, uh, in terms of your coaching, you, you do primarily work with, with, with women or do you work with men? I do actually have a, a male client right after this. So yeah, yeah I work with yeah. both, uh, mostly women. Cause that's, I think women sometimes are more interest. I think now it's both, but originally women were more interested in self-development stuff. Um, and I do more femininity work. So naturally I'm going to attract women, but yeah, I do both. I have a three month coaching program. That's really popular. I've had a lot of amazing success with women with that, you know, once you really shift your internal, whatever it is, that's blocking you, it, it really bleeds into all areas of your life, right? You change your money, you change your relationships with with your family, with your spouse, with your kids, with, with everything, you know? Mm-hmm. So I do a three much three month coaching program because I believe it, you know, truly takes about three months to truly shift. Yep. And then I do an archetype course where I go over the archetypes of men and women and how to identify yourself, how to tap into the different archetype energy for different circumstances, how to attract them, how to keep them. And I also have one-on-one coaching as well. Beautiful. Amazing. And, and for someone who wants to learn about all of those things is the best place. Your website, my website. Yeah. AlexiTurner.com. AlexiTurner.com. I'll put that into the show notes too. Otherwise check out Alexi on TikTok. That's certainly where I just stumbled upon her. And this has been a, just a fascinating conversation. And, and I've, it's been so fun to at least see you on TikTok, but then be able to ask my questions that I was thinking, you know, and I just really appreciate you, you showing up, but on TikTok, it's Empress Collective, correct? Yes, yes that awesome. is correct. Well, you're amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you thank sharing your you. gifts with us for sure. Thank, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. You're such a great host and Absolutely. I love chatting with you. I feel like we could chat for so many more hours about 100%. this percent. We totally can. That's what I geek out about. This is kind of like the 101 version. Well, I'll have you back and we can dig into even deeper stuff. So that'll be another, awesome. another episode. But thank you guys so much for listening, for watching, uh, for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. Definitely go check out Alexi on TikTok or go to alexiturner.com. She's there to help you become the best man that you can be or best woman for that matter, right? Uh, we'll talk to you guys <laughs> soon. Have a good rest of your day. Cheers. That's it for this one. And I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, 
share it on social media, and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at Johnny King and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Johnny King Men's Coach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.